All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. It's a Wednesday, May 26th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Yerubchuk and Frank Cervalli coming to you live from the Daily Faceoff head offices in Edmonton, where last night, Frank, uh, just Ooh. when you thought the battle was uh, giving us all it could, a uh, player of madness. Absolutely incredible. 32 that's how Morris Anderson's shot sailed as it went past yeah. Mike Smith. And the Oilers could have folded like a cheap tent yeah. in a soft wind, and they didn't. And I think that is a pretty incredible moment for the Oilers as they're on this playoff journey trying yeah. to get to where they want to get. Yeah, you wrote about it beautifully at Daily Faceoff today. It's an organization with a lot of scars, and last night felt like it was going to be another one. It wasn't. We'll get into that with Jason Greger coming up later. We'll get into that goal later as well in our inbox question. But for now, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and talk about this series from a Calgary Flames perspective, Frank, where they're now pushed to the brink of elimination after winning game one of this series and winning game one of this series in convincing fashion. A Kachuk hat trick. Their stars looked like they were rolling. I mean, even go back to game seven of the last series. Johnny Goudreau finally has his signature playoff moment. And since then, it's just been a whole lot of nothing from the Flames' top players. And you could say between what you see here on the board and the lack of production in the last three games from guys like Goudreau and Kachuk to the play of Jacob Markstrom, there, there's a lot of reasons why they're down 3-1 in this series. 
Yeah, and I would point to a lot of it being the goaltending. I mean, Jacob Markstrom, frankly, this is two series in a row now where he has not been the better goaltender in either series. And this is a guy that was a Vezina Trophy finalist, was supposed to be stepping up and doing it at the right time for the Calgary Flames. Their depth hasn't shown up, as you pointed out. And, you know, I just think when you take a look at this from, you know, the other side and you see someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, yes, the, the Oilers... Stars have been incredible. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane, the numbers they've put up have been incredible. But when you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a player who is, you know, could have played a pivotal role in this series, outscoring Matthew Kachuk in points and on par with Johnny Gaudreau in points, and that includes game one and the wild 9-6 win, you can see why this has been an uphill battle for the Flames. I'm still surprised Tyler, that they haven't been able to get in and establish their identity. You and I were sitting next to each other in the press box at the game last night. We were saying to each other, the Flames really seem like they figured it out. Like they got it going a bit. And then to get to level ground and the pushback that came from the Oilers side as opposed to the Flames is maybe the most surprising part of game four is that you'd expect when Calgary you know, gets that fluke goal that they'd step in and 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 get the next one. They didn't. And now they're on the brink. And now this battle of Alberta need to fully admit that I, I was wrong in saying earlier in the series, Tyler, that I yeah. thought that the Calgary Flames could make this a short series. It's the Edmonton Oilers who have the opportunity on Thursday night in game five at the Dome. Yeah, I mean, you go back to after game one and it was like, hey, the Flames are rolling. That offense, they found a way to force the Oilers and kind of expose maybe what we thought was a bit of a weak blue line in terms of their ability to handle the forecheck. And you went, yeah, Jacob Markstrom gave up six, but the Vezna finalist isn't going to be that bad on back-to-back nights and then a third straight night and then a fourth straight night as well. Like It's just mind-blowing to see the numbers the Oilers have been able to put up and and Markstrom's save percentage continues to basically plummet. I was thinking, and I said to you that Maybe there's a chance that the Flames make a goaltending change after period one. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just the first goal that Markstrom makes a mistake mm-hmm. on 21 seconds in. It was also, you know, I know the Kane shot was deflected, but it was also from distance. And that mm-hmm. really didn't look pretty. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, the Flames are, they're hanging on for dear life. A team that a lot more was expected from. Yeah, they are. Uh, let's move on to another series and a team specifically in the Rangers where, a few weeks ago, we were talking about their Vesna finalist as a guy who couldn't string together back-to-back good He's starts. He's gotten there now. And he certainly has gotten there now. Igor Shesterkin stops 30 of 31 in a Game 4 victory for the Rangers. Adam Fox, big goal. Mika Zibanejad, big goal. Andrew Kopp, one of their big deadline ads, comes through with a goal as well. A couple of assists early in that hockey game. Shesterkin stands out. The Rangers seem to be finding a bit of their groove offensively as well. And the Canes can't win on the road, Frank. You know, the good news for the Canes, though, is they have two more games at home, at least. Well, so what's more likely here, that the Rangers steal one on the road or that the Canes just mop it up on home ice and win another series in seven games? I think it's that the Canes find a way to win one on the road and that I think they bounce back in game five on home ice. And there seemed to be some thought over the last couple of days has anti Ranta begin to crack a little bit in net Mm -hmm. for the Canes gives up four in game four. I don't necessarily see it. Um, I think the Rangers have done a good job of applying pressure and making life difficult for the Canes. Um, I think 
at you know at some point you're right one of these two situations yeah. has to give either the rangers are going to find a way to win on the road or the canes will need to uh to try and close it out in a game six scenario yeah. I, I, i've been a big believer in the canes and their process their consistency the way that they've found a way to come back and get to to a, a clean emotional baseline I think they do it better than any other team. They don't seem to be on the roller coaster that some of these other teams do night in and night out. One guy in particular who could really step up if the Canes are going to find a way to steal one on the road, maybe in game six. I'm looking at Sebastian Ajo. This is a guy who has eight points in six home games so far in the playoffs. One point in five road games so far in these playoffs on the road like that you, you need a little bit more from your stars like we just talked about Edmonton getting someone like Nugent Hopkins stepping up okay the Canes had someone like that in Domi in round one stepping up in a big game seven for them kind of coming out of nowhere right now I'm looking at the Canes big guns and I'm going those guys need to get rolling like four points in four games a series I know a point of games like fine and all that but they need more from Aho. they need more from the Tara Vinans and the Svechnikovs I agree with you and that was the one real knock on the Canes the entire season is that mm. they're not going to scare anyone because they don't have the superstar yeah. to back it up and you know Aho is not quite at that level yet but I thought that he had an opportunity in these playoffs to maybe get himself there and so far he really hasn't it's been sort of I don't want to say average results they're not subpar but They've just been fine. And yeah. quickly, what'd you think of the uh, the hit, Jacob Truba? Uh, I, I mean, it looks like Domi's falling, but this stuff seems to happen a lot involving Jacob Truba. And that's where I struggle giving Truba the benefit of the doubt in that play. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what people were saying on the Crosby hit, too. Yeah. I, I just, Domi was falling. It's a fact. Okay. And this is not something I'm told the Department of Player Safety is going to be looking at. I just... You know, another freak play, but everyone wants to. That's the theme of these playoffs, Tyler, isn't it? Is, yeah. you know, hey, this person's reputation seems to be preceding yeah. them, whether it's Nazem Kadri, Jacob Truba, go down the list. Let's move on to another series. And we talked a little bit about star power or lack thereof for the Canes. Well, somehow the Colorado Avalanche are leading this series three to one against the St. Louis Blues, even though Kale McCarr has two points, even though Nathan McKinnon hasn't found a goal yet. Like we're looking at their top five scores here in this series. McKinnon and McCarr aren't on there. Yes, they got a big performance from Nazem Kadri in game four and, and what a moment that was for him. But I'm still looking at this series as Nathan McKinnon will have a signature moment. He often does. He's a good playoff performer really? early on. I think he will. I like to think that he's maybe a little bit due for a big, big game in this series. You can hold them off for one, two, three, I guess four games if you're the St. Louis Blues, but I'm just not sure. I think eventually that dam opens up, you know? I, I would tend to agree with you, but if you had told me previously that the Colorado Avalanche are going to score six goals in game four and neither McKinnon or McCarr has any of them, I'd say yeah. you're lying. Um, yeah. So the fact that those guys haven't been able to get on the score sheet, you you know, you would think they're due. I have such a hard time, Tyler, sizing up the Avs in these playoffs because they looked superhuman yeah. in the first round. And... They looked really good again in game one of the second round. You know, think about that overtime against St. Louis. Just, you know, did, did the Blues even touch the puck? And then there's been this pushback from the Blues. But at the same time now, Jordan Bennington has been knocked out of the series. That's clearly changed things when you look at Huso and his numbers against Bennington and his numbers. I mean, Huso has looked like a deer in headlights in these playoffs. Yeah. 884 save percentage, as you can see on your screen. And... We've now got a Colorado team, Tyler, that has played against subpar goaltending 
in, you know, UC Soros being out in round one for the Preds, now Bennington being knocked out in round two. And you're like, well, what does that mean? How do you appropriately size up the Avs? And by the way, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you start to think about the Oilers and the Avs and that potential matchup as both teams are up three to one. Mm -hmm. The Oilers also got the better of the Avs this season in the regular season series. And you start to go, hmm, McKinnon, McCarr, kind of quiet. Haven't really played against good goaltending. Is there any chance that the Oilers could see an opening here? Maybe. I, I don't think uh, I don't. If there's Oilers fans listening, I don't think they want you to get too far ahead of yourself here, uh, Frank. Uh, the Avs power play just one for eight so far in this series. Usually, it's the team down three one who's hungry and motivated. I would expect the Avs tonight really don't want to make a trip back to St. Louis for a potential game six. Moving on and away from the playoff picture a little bit, some coaching vacancies around the NHL. We're starting to hear, you know, a few little rumblings about who's interviewing where, who's connected to where. We heard Tortorella and Philadelphia. We've heard Barry Trotz and Winnipeg quite a bit, Frank. As we flash up the spots where there are vacancies, uh, have you heard anything on either of these teams or is this stuff that will just kind of continue to dribble in and then end of the Stanley Cup Finals and that range is when we'll start to get some real news here. Well, one team that you don't see on the board there is the Montreal Canadiens, who technically have a vacancy because their coach does not have a contract. But that will be sorted out in short order. I'm told the Montreal Canadiens and Marty St. Louis are putting the finishing touches sort of as we speak on his new contract. I think most of that's done. I think it's mostly about getting their assistants taken care of at this Mm -hmm. point and figuring out exactly what that staff looks like. Um, you know, I think with Barry Trotz, that's the one everyone wants to know. Where's yeah. he going? And there's so much talk about that fit with the Winnipeg Jets. I see it. I think it makes sense. Uh, clearly, they've you know interviewed him and talked. The deal hasn't gotten done to this point. And I think there's no rush because Barry Trotz is in the process of just going through and evaluating all of his different options. I think the Dallas Stars have held... I was told have held an exploratory conversation with Barry Trotz over the last 48 hours to gauge his interest and find out what that opening may be like. The Philadelphia Flyers are certainly interested in Barry Trotz and he's expected to interview there if he has not already. And the Vegas Golden Knights are most certainly interested. One other name to keep an eye on, and he's been over in Finland that I believe has gotten some interest is Derek King of the uh, sorry, Derek King. He's not in Finland. I was looking at the Blackhawks logo and I was thinking of him. Derek King, by the way, has a really good shot to retain that post oh. in Chicago. And they, um, they're they certainly going to be going through their process and interviewing a bunch of different people. I think Spencer Carberry is another name to watch in Chicago. He has been the assistant in Toronto. Uh, okay. His name has percolated a bit. But going back to, I was looking at the Red Wings logo. He's been in Finland. Jeff Blashill, I'm told, is on the, the radar of a couple teams to you know potentially go uh, in there as, as their next head coach. So he leaves Detroit after some subpar years. But um, you know there's certainly some interest in Jeff Blashill out there as well. Will be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few weeks as the Stanley Cup playoffs keep going and eventually we turn our focus into off-season mode. But there is still playoff hockey to talk about. And for that, we'll go to Jason Greger with another edition of the All-32. Always a pleasure to welcome in Jason Greger for another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. And Jason, I just want to start with uh, that game last night and the Oilers on a night where, you know, you, they, you knew they'd need some depth scoring. 
They get it from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's the game four hero. And it's really a bit of a fitting hero for this organization and for Nugent Hopkins, considering everything he's been through with this team. Well, uh, 11 years waiting for the one they call the nude. She's never scored a home playoff game with fans in the stands because uh, his only home playoff goal was in 2020 in the bubble. So uh, he'd waited a long time, uh, as did the fans, to see one of their fan favorites score. And, you know, he stepped up and, and that's what you need in the playoffs. You know what? Uh, he hadn't scored a goal, really hadn't been involved a ton offensively since he scored those two goals in, in game three against the L.A. Kings. And that was a blowout game, but they really needed him last night. Got a little bit of help. On the first goal, as Markstrom made an error, but you know he went to the net, get rewarded from going to the net, and uh, he he wins the game for the Edmonton Oilers, the game winner in in a game that showed the Edmonton Oilers have learned how to deal with in-game adversity. After the Rasmus Anderson goal, uh, the Oilers really didn't fade, and they they only had three shots in the first thirteen minutes of the third. They had seven in the final seven minutes, including the Nugent Hopkins game winner, and then Evander Kane empty netter. So, Jason, one of the things that's really struck me being here covering the Battle of Alberta, and I know you and I have talked about this, is just the confidence that that's sort of developed and grown in this team. We've talked a lot about lessons learned from round one and how this Euler team had an opportunity. And Mike Smith mentioned it after the game saying, you know, we we could have easily packed it in after that goal went in. They didn't. Why to you does this feel like a different Oiler team than some of the past iterations that we've seen? Well, number one, they're more skilled. Let's let's start there, right? Like I think there's a belief that you know you've got enough talent to come back. Due to the the dry subtle injury, they've loaded up their top line and they've been dominant. But last night, I know it's funny when you look, Kane scored two goals and you know, dry subtle had three points, but compared to how they played in the other games, they didn't really dominate, but they still produced which is obviously key i honestly think that you know it's every player has mentioned the duncan keith factor and just having a calming presence and, and knowing when to say the right thing and and i do think that matters some people only look at on ice contributions and they're like wow you know what he's not really helping but uh, you talk to the players and, and he's been a real calming voice when needed and a real upbeat positive voice so i think the combination of that evander kane zach hyman like the, you know, the, the size up front on this team is much better. Brett Kulak's come in and beat a massive addition on the back end. So while many people, um, lots of order fans, question the moves of uh, Ken Holland, you look at it here, they're one win away from going to the conference final, and the moves he's made have all paid off. Yeah, and that defense, the back end, has really sort of been unheralded in a lot of ways, Jason. What have you noticed about the way that Jay Woodcroft has utilized his defensemen? Well, the injury to Darnell Nurse has basically forced him to say, hey, everybody hands on deck. Uh, you, you look at the th the three pairings and they're pretty much playing very even minutes at, at five on five. Um, when Manson came in and ran the blue line, he put Nurse and CeCe together and basically said, you guys are going to take the majority of the tough minutes. And they're still doing that, but not to the level as they were before, because Nurse is only playing about 18 minutes a night down from 24 and 25. He's clearly banged up. It's pretty obvious. But, you know, Keith and Bouchard have been pretty solid. Kulak and Barry, I think, have been an excellent pairing very quietly and just how they move the puck. Edmonton, Calgary, after game one, hasn't been able to have sustained pressure in the offensive zone very often. And I really credit the defense. I think probably that the story that's been most overlooked in these three games is how well the six defensemen collectively have played and moved the puck out of their own zone. Fantastic stuff, as always, Jason. We know you got to run. So thanks for stopping by and giving us a little insight into the Edmonton Oilers. This has been another edition of the All 32, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, DFODD, DFODDUS. Those two promo codes get you 25% off 
and no delivery fees on your first order. Jay, maybe a little DoorDash in your future before you head down to Calgary for Game 5. Well, I'm going to have to take some brunch delivery, I think, on the road because it'll be a one-day trip there and back. Perfect. Thanks, Jason. Have a good one, boys. All right, Frank, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. We've danced around this topic a little bit. Let's give our takes. One word on the Rasmus Anderson goal on Mike Smith from 132 feet out. Buckner-esque. <laughs> Bill, damn it, Buckner. I mean, when you look at it, I think maybe the best part about this is that he's like, he's looking for someone to blame. Like, he's like, oh, like, and then I don't know if you saw it or not. And I've been looking for the gift to try and find one of the flames players coming off the ice was like this too. Like he was like, <laughs> you know, trying to give it to Smith. And uh, it was as weird a goal as you're ever going to see. I, I didn't see it in real time. I was like, I just heard the groans and I was like, what the heck just happened here? Yeah, uh, my word is breathtaking, Frank, because being in that arena last night, it went from rocking to library like very, very quickly. As everyone, you could tell just looking at the stands, everyone was looking at each other being like, that that went in? Did that go in? And we were all looking at each other in the press box being like, what did we just see? It was just an insane moment that felt like a series-defining moment ended up not being that. Well, in some ways, I think it may end up being series-defining in that the Oilers response is what's going to define this series. Yeah. And you're now up three to one. You just need one in the last three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this uh, says a lot about the Oilers. It was like a weird night at Rogers between that, between Zach Cassian and Josh Archibald blowing each other up earlier in that hockey game. It's just a the weird... biggest hit of the playoffs. Yeah, it, <laughs> and like, that's not even much of an exaggeration. Uh, it was a weird one in Rogers place. Uh, let's get to our daily bet segment, courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada, a little cold right now. Needed a McDavid goal. Got McDavid assist instead. Needed a Zabinijad assist. Got a Zabinijad goal instead. So on the wrong side of things right now, but we'll look to bounce back tonight. Let's jump into it. Just one game on the slate. We have a couple of plays, and I like the over in this St. Louis-Colorado matchup. They hit this in their last two games. It's an elimination game as well. And like I said earlier in the show, I really do think the Avalanche offense finds a way to bounce. Or sorry, yeah, the Avalanche stars find a way to get going. I think St. Louis will be able to score as well. Again, elimination game. Sometimes you get that goalie out as well. It could lead to an extra empty netter or two. So I like the over. And then going deeper into this matchup, I am taking Nathan McKinnon to score. Frank, I told you. We are getting a signature McKinnon moment. I think it comes tonight and plus 120 is a good price point. He hasn't scored in the first four games of the series. And I just think Nathan McKinnon is too talented and too good in the playoffs to be held out of the goal column once again. So McKinnon at plus 120 to score and over six and a half in Colorado St. Louis. The McKinnon goal would make me feel good. I, if he still falls short, I had the over two uh, and a half on McKinnon goals in the series. Yeah. And when you look at the five that he scored in round one in just four games, I was like, oh man, this is cake. Yeah. It, it never is. They always make you sweat in some yeah. weird way. If I'm going to lose, I'd almost rather him not score at all than to score one or two and fall short. Yeah. You don't want him to tease you. Yeah. But I, maybe we get a Nathan McKinnon game five hat trick. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. It's not out of the question by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, especially with the number of hat tricks we've seen. Yeah. We were, how many, how close were we to a new hat trick? At yeah. varying points in the third period. Yeah, two or three chances there. He had to seal that thing up when the Oilers got that late power play. Uh, so that uh, really interesting. I, yeah. I just, I, 
I, I prefer not to have the teas, but we'll see. Yeah, sometimes but a sweat's good that, though. That, uh, well, I can look at me. I can use a good sweat. Um, that brings us to garbage time and Tyler, what's, uh, what's caught your eye from around the hockey world? Yeah, we got some interesting news yesterday. Some great reporting from Haley Salvian of the athletic that the PWHPA has entered into a formal relationship with the Billie Jean King enterprises and the Mark Walter group to explore the launch of a new professional women's hockey league. It feels like we've been hearing about this for years, Frank, about can they do this right? How can they do this right? How can, you know, the two sides that did exist come together and build something good? And it feels like a good step was made here. Haley said that while league details are not finalized at this time, the foundational pieces outlined in the player plan include a six-team league with 23 player rosters, a 32-game schedule from January to April, minimum salary of $35,000, average salary of $55,000. It feels like a good step, I think. You know, every hockey fan want, want, watching this show would love to see a professional women's league done right. And I think it would help grow the sport. And this felt like a good step. So I figured it was worthy of a mention at the end of the show, obviously. And hopefully we continue to get good news on this front. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's important. And I love that the PWHPA is taking a step forward to establish that league. Yeah. My only trepidation is we can't have dueling leagues. Oh, and yeah. the PHF is still going. Um, they're, they're, they've signed a player to a landmark contract this summer, this off season for them. And, you know, I think it's just until one of those leagues steps aside. And for me, it's always felt like it's going to have to be the PHF that does it because mm -hmm. all of the top players are part of the PWHPA, almost all the Olympians. I don't think there's one single Olympian, if I'm not mistaken, maybe there's one or two that doesn't. Yeah participate in the PWHPA. So until you have a true best on best league, yeah. you know, it always feels like that PHF is going to be a little bit secondary. And so I'm kind of like, I wish we could just have these minds come together and say, you know, this is for the best, the betterment of the sport mm -hmm. to say, we're just going to have one league, one, you know, all the attention goes to that, all the focus goes to that, and frankly, all the dollars go to that mm -hmm. to try and make that as successful as possible. And so until that happens, I just have, you know, some reservation about the success of it all. Yeah, and, and that's fair as well, but maybe some good news. Maybe this is going in the right direction here. Uh, that's going to do it for the May 25th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. You are heading down game five of Battle of Alberta. We'll be interesting to see if it is indeed the final game of that series. We'll set that all up and have more coming tomorrow on the Daily Faceoff Show for our technical producer, Alex Allard, Jason Geriger, Gregor, and Frank Zarvalli. I'm Tyler Uramchuk. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.